Jaffa the Productions presents In Conclusion We Digress. The best hour of your life, you'll never get back. What's going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of In Conclusion We Digress. Back again after a brief hiatus as the boys and I recovered from our ski trip and some of us celebrated Valentine's Day and others celebrated alone. But hope you guys are all doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming back as always and listening. So... Before Dan, we get started, you, you didn't uh, you didn't take Rosie out for a nice dinner. Good old uh, Rosie Five Fingers. <laughs> nah, she uh, she was busy, so had to figure out uh, something to do by myself. But that's okay. Before we get started with today, I got to say hello to the guys as always. So, all three guys coming to us on the Upper East Side tonight. So we'll start by saying hello to Kyle. So Kyle, what's going on? Uh, I'm very angry uh, at at a lot of people. Uh, uh, specifically one person in Switzerland who will remain nameless um, because I wasn't supposed to be coming to you from the Upper East Side. I was supposed to be coming to you from Bailey, Colorado, but because somebody's forcing somebody else into the office and X, Y, and Z, I am still in Manhattan and unfortunately not in the fucking mountains uh, after having driven across the country. So that sucks. But uh, at the very least, we're going to get some snow here tomorrow and life goes on. Yeah, Mike maybe, and I will try just... not to be offended by that. <laughs> Bitch. Maybe you could just ski down second half, Kyle. It probably won't be as exciting, but it's No, it's it won't. Something. It would be funny, though. I mean, it would be more comedic value if, you know, intrinsically. I could take my True. snowboard to the park and, like, ride down the stairs like the crazy, crazy kids in college. <laughs> crazy kids. He did a hook em horns, readers. When he said crazy kids, <laughs> he did a hook em horns. Woo! Okay, cool. So hook we're going to examine that later. All right, for for for... For, for context, I have a coworker who refers to myself and my other coworker, who are both in fraternities, as CWBs or crazy white boys. So whenever we say something Fair. that's even like remotely, like "Oh, I'm going snowboarding this weekend," he'll be like, "Woo, CWBs!" <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, I'm sorry to hear that your trip was put off, but hopefully it'll be back on next winter or something. You know, some you guys will be able to go again. Life. Yeah, I to do it at some point in my life. I mean, I'll yeah. go there, but like, you know, buy cars. I think it'd be cool. But, you know, continue. Say hi to the other two fuck faces. Well, yeah, going to go to well. uh, Mike and Pat now. Guys, we took off last week because I don't know about you guys. I was sore as fuck until Saturday or Sunday at least from skiing. So how are you guys uh, holding up? No, it's cool. I'm, my legs actually feel like they, they grew back stronger. I feel like my ass is, is popping now. So <laughs> that's good. That's a word. Good. Mike, how about yourself? <laughs> Dan, you know what I heard helps for uh, leg soreness. <laughs> you uh, lick my asshole. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I, I was perfectly fine because I actually <laughs> I, an, I do this on a, <laughs> I do I do this often, so my legs weren't that bad. Plus, Kyle's um, Kyle's vibrator came in handy to uh, <laughs> vibrator. It's a fucking yes. it's a knockoff Theragun, and it's excellent. Kyle's Hitachi magic wand that he Listen, has. Listen, if you want to keep using it, you're not allowed to call it a Hitachi magic wand on the podcast. That's all I'm going to say about it. But what if I use it for Hitachi magic wand purposes? Well, I yeah. see. I wouldn't like that at all because you know it's you know mine, and you Just, shouldn't be. What if he? What if he does the gentleman thing to do and like at least replaces the knob or cover afterwards? Shouldn't be jackhammering your asshole with my fucking massage gun. That's all I'm going to say about the subject. So just like don't don't smell the nub portion till yeah after i clean it tomorrow okay then? just fine so as long as you don't use it on your nose you're good or you don't I use it on you. your asshole too because like that we could have the cross contamination cross-contam- yeah yeah i didn't think about that okay enough enough of this. 
but yeah, no, uh, we were, we took a little break cause we were on a nice, uh, trip, which has made me do nothing, but want to plan another trip. But I am, uh, I'm happy to be back on my microphone uh, and talking to you people at home. Yeah. Jail. <laughs> Jail for the way you pronounce it. Enter the microphone. Yep. I'm going to have to. <laughs> on further review, Jail. you've been convicted by a jury of your peers. Jail. Glad to have all you guys back again. Good to be back on the podcast for another week. Since it's been almost a month since we have talked about sports, wanted to do a quick sports episode to recap some things that have happened since we've last spoken to you all. And we'll start today with what we began the season thinking was going to be an absolute dumpster fire. And turns out is actually not a dumpster fire and actually seems to be like a decently well-run team. And that's the New York Knicks who are right now in sixth place in the East and in the playoff spot, which is, I, I can say for myself, I was not expecting that at least this soon out of the gate. So yeah, if couldn't, the, couldn't the fire is being that. is it being abated, one could say, and I, I can say this coming from an engineering and a sprinkler background. The idea of a sprinkler is not to put out the fire; it's just to reduce the fire until more help can come. And I think that's that's the proper analogy here. Uh, I don't think the fire is out, but because uh, it is still the Knicks, but there's there's opportunity. The feel the the fire is dwindling, perhaps, uh, so people can escape the fire. Uh, <laughs> This, this analogy is fucking horrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad, and it took we're, so long. We're having a Jesus. fire sale. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, dude, I mean, no, I don't. Did, did anyone thing. expect the the Knicks to be sitting in sticks? I mean, I I just think I think no one expected Emmanuel quickly to come and be as critical as he has been. I mean, still kind of a wonder to me that he's not starting. Um, Derek Rose coming in hasn't taken minutes away from him, which has been really great. Obviously, Julius Randle is playing at an at a an All Star level, elite level. No other way to say that. Um, yes. So we so should I, start with Julius Randle because yeah, definitely Julius Randle is, I think at this point, the most underrated player in basketball. No one ever talks about him, but he's putting up just unbelievable numbers this season. Yeah, yeah I would got, I would agree with that more points than like Anthony Davis. He's got like more <laughs> rebounds than Joel Embiid per game. He's got a better three point percentage than Dame. I was reading today that he, so he is averaging 23, like 11 and 5.7 uh, uh, points, rebounds, assists, and over mm-hmm. 40% shooting. The yep. only other player to have ever done that. If like he was to continue this for the rest of the season was Larry Bird. Like yeah. in an all in a who's in a he? MVP season, yeah. Who who's that? And a quick update for Julius: He has 19 points uh, midway through the third. Yeah, right we are recording this on the 17th in the midst of the Nick Magic game. The leading scorer, which is my new favorite name in the world, uh, is Dwayne Bacon for the Orlando yeah, Magic. Yeah, Clyde said he was cooking before, and it was bad. Dwayne Bacon, <laughs> Bacon the sizzling. But yeah, I mean, I I think. I, w- I would have to agree with you though. Then I think it's just it's the oh he plays for the Knicks syndrome, and it just people aren't really going to take the Knicks seriously. I think it's going to take a lot for them to take us seriously. But you know, given Tibbs and like a real actual organizational structure now, I think it's you know if they can stay healthy and consistent, then this is building. You know, we build moving forward. It's, it's building really a culture. Exactly. Like a culture is what it is. Yeah, we don't um, need to, we're not going to win anything right now, but no, we need to course. build a successful environment 
and then go from there. And I think that they're doing a fantastic job at that so far. Which shame on the people and the pundits over at ESPN and a lot of the other networks. Um, I've seen a number of videos come out, particularly on like either the first take crew or some like Max Kellerman was laughing at the Knicks, like pe- people showing optimism uh, and these, and these people responding to it with disdain and, and just laughing. Oh, your Knicks are still 14 and 15, bud. but you realize how much of an improvement that is. Also, like it's the yeah. East, so you're a playoff team with a exactly. sub 500 record. So, like, the Western Conference. I saw this interesting stat actually, Pat. To your point about them being 14 and 15, and everyone making a joke about it. Mm-hmm. The Knicks are playing Orlando tonight, and then they're playing Minnesota on Friday or Saturday. If they win both those games, they're 16 and 15, and it's the first time in seven years that this late into the season they're above 500. So that I think that's a big improvement. Like the Knicks have historically for the last six, seven years been a below 500 team literally since and the game. It's not even like it's yeah. been a gradual increase up until this point. They were so, so bad last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so, it's, so- it's a, it's building starting in the right place is kind of how I would put it probably like they're, they're, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't say anything bad really about anyone. Alfred Payton, we've canceled his rocket to the sun. He's picked up yeah. his flights been canceled. Well, yeah. he needed that. That was like, that goes to the D Rose thing. Like yeah. as soon as you brought D Rose in, Alfred Payton was like, Oh fuck. Like former MVP, somebody who's already bought into this system twice. Like my ass will literally be fired into the sun by Thibodeau if I don't pick it up. And he's been excellent since that point. I mean, it's nice it, to have a guard know. that can rebound like he can. Because you know, before that he wasn't doing much else, but he's he's picked it up. I'm I'm happy with with this play for sure. Yeah, I mean, it lit a fire under his ass, like Mike said. Like he realized yeah. that if he didn't bring it every night and like earn the minutes that he was given, he's going to get the boot. So yeah, exactly. If you yeah. look at the minutes, like it's interesting you bring up that point. If you look at minutes from the start of the season, you had Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett as two of the highest, if not one and two highest minutes per game players for the first, I don't know, five, in seven the games. Entire NBA. Yeah, in in the, the entire NBA. Yeah. In the entire NBA. Yeah. And now, now that you've started to develop this core where the second unit you have with like, with Obi and D Rose and quickly. And I guess it was originally Nerlens, but like, and even Nerlens. Yeah. Taj, like you now have a second unit that can play. And sometimes I think the second unit almost plays better when you start to mix Randall back into that second unit. Um, because I, I mean, my ideal starting lineup would be D Rose, quickly RJ, Julius, and obviously Mitchie. But I mean, at this point, Nerlens. But like, when, as soon as you mix Randall back into that second unit, that second unit can close out games. That second unit is your second half team. So mm-hmm. it's like you're you're really getting a lot of production, and you're seeing a guy like Alfred Payton. He's putting up 12 or 13 points a game, but in like 20 minutes. And the same thing from quickly. So it's like the efficiency is is really high in the guards. Yeah, I. I also think you you got to look at – I think the buy-in is huge regardless just from any of them. You're talking about minutes, Mike. So Julius Randle across his career has averaged 29.7 minutes. This year he's averaged through 29 games 36.7 minutes. So the buy-in is like also allowing him to be greater. He's bought into the system and now he's someone that we can depend on. And, I mean, even he said that – he really wasn't ready to be the leader, to be the one, you know, the best player on the team that everyone had to go to. And he kind of got his shit together over the winter and like, or over the summer, you know, whatever. And he's absolutely unbelievable now. And I think this is just like something that we needed. We didn't need to trade for a superstar. We needed to find somebody. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe we did, maybe I'm being a little bit too premature, but he's a very good basketball player. And if you can keep it at this level, this deal was a bargain. I was going to say in victory, he's so 
I guess I'm, I, this is gonna sound like kind of like stereotypical, but like humble and in, in victory. He doesn't like he's not like a showboat either. He's not like that yeah. type. Um, which I don't know. At least gets you far in my book. And also would like to issue formal apology to Maryland's Noel. Um, I think I called him a, at one point. Checks notes a worthless piece of shit. I don't think <laughs> I don't think that anymore. Uh, wow. He's a top five blocker in the NBA. Like, I mean, yeah, he's not putting up the points, but no, he's playing yeah. good defense. I didn't add something I didn't realize at the beginning of the season. He's uh, playing also, really, really. He was excellent. taking most of the minutes. Well, that's one thing, um, Pat, to that point that I wanted to touch on because you're right that there has been kind of a culture change with the Knicks, especially with Thibodeau coming in. They went from a team that would literally put up no points every game and not play defense to arguably the best defensive team in basketball this year, which is that that's just effort. Like, just and that's. How- that's how you build a good team from the inside out and attract yes. and start to attract better players. Can we like, can we rewind a little bit to the last time we talked about basketball? I don't know if it was the last time we talked about basketball or the, the, the previous basketball discussion we had before this, where we talked about how Julius was playing really well and that Julius was a potential trade piece later mm-hmm. down the season for a big piece. And now like now, you know, fast forward a month, fast forward two months, and we're sitting here talking like you're building a team around him. You know, he is now your player. He is now your guy. And he's going to help him, D-Rose. They're going to help for, like bring these young guys up and really develop them. Even hell, like Taj Gibson is like mentoring like OB a little bit. Like this is what you need. You're not mm-hmm. buying. You're not buying a team. You're, you're developing <clears throat> it. And it's pretty unbelievable just to see how things have changed. I would, I would like to state for the record that I have been a hardline keep Julius Randle around guy since the start of the season, just for the record. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the other thing, this D-Road trade, the D-Rose trade, sorry, Jesus, I can't speak tonight. Um, it's, it's huge for quickly because clearly he's expressed a, a desire to mentor this kid and he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of speed. They can do similar things. And I think they quickly can learn a lot from him. I think defensively he can learn a lot from him. And I think that could be really huge for the team. And, you know, if quickly can be solid this year and start to learn and take on some responsibility, you know, D Rose will age out, Peyton will become irrelevant. And then you might have found yourself a point guard, which is something the Knicks have been lacking for so long. Very long time. Yeah. Well, I will say one thing that was telling about the D Rose trade. First of all, you know, all the best to uh, DSJ because he <clears throat> kind of got the short end of the stick being here. He kind of was you know, pushed to the side and didn't really get much yeah. playing time. And, you know, I hope that the trade allows him to get some playing time and to kind of, you know, reclaim that his career because he's very talented. But I will say it was telling when Derrick Rose had his first press conference, he said he wanted to play specifically for Tibbs, but specifically for the Knicks because he wanted to be on a team that had a legitimate chance to go to the playoffs. So I think that's telling about kind of the culture shift that we talked about with the Knicks, the perception of the team throughout the league that they're not the laughing stock anymore, at least amongst the players. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's all that really telling matters. and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The opinions of the fucking pundits don't mean shit if, if the players show up. So, yeah. I do want to revisit the point about Julius Randle for a second because Mike, you are right. We were talking about that at the beginning of the off or at the beginning of the season, I should say, um, that he was potentially going to be a trade piece and all that. At this point, I don't think there's anybody who would be available or like that would you be looking worth for trading than... a lot for. I, right. I I don't think you can trade him. I just don't think you can. You're not going to get an, an all around player like him. You're you're going to get an, you know you're not going to get a player. You're going to get. Uh, and I'm just saying this for draft I don't picks. I don't want them to you're gonna get draft picks which are not gonna pan out. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have something that's complete and done. Like let's keep what we have for once and and work with this. We've been too quick to trade for the the easy win 
You're gonna get <clears> a fifteenth overall in 20 pick. Years. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep our fucking heads and stick to this because clearly it is working. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's exactly what we said at the beginning of the year too. If we're really gonna know if the Tom Thibodeau project is gonna work, if we're gonna know if these draft picks are panning out, you got to keep everyone in place for at least a year or two with this unit together. You can add pieces in the offseason, whatever, but like to trade away valuable pieces in the middle of the season when you're actually playing well, it's just not, I don't think it's worth it in my mind. I think I'd rather see them go. It's a, you know, different season anyway. Just, just run it and see what happens. I don't have a problem with that. Like, it's not like they have huge expectations anyway. Like might as well just keep what you have and see what you got. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fair. There, there's still people. There's still Nick fans out there who are st- would still want to see him moved. And I don't really understand that. You're not Those like are people like... who want to suffer, not people who want to win. <laughs> and I will say one thing on Julius as well. I think Julius's great season this year has actually helped RJ because it's taken off some pressure off him. Yeah, because I, I think RJ had a lot of pressure on him last year. You know, third overall pick had such a good you know year at Duke. Everyone thought he was going to kind of come in and save the franchise. He doesn't have to do that anymore. Like now, Julius is that front man, and he can just kind of focus on getting his shot right, focus on scoring how he can and doing what you know developing as a, a player so i think that's a really underrated aspect of julius's rise as well rj needs to do less that's my statement on rj i think that he does a lot i'm, I'm specifically talking about him driving like he obviously he his shooting has been streaky. sporadic sporadic mm-hmm. i'd say sporadic is more than streaky he is statistically um, having a markedly better season this year than he did last year though he is, but he would yeah. be having a so much better season if instead of that, like, one extra step or that slight spin or that fancy the hesitation. Move, yeah, any anything on his way up, if he just took it there, I would say he'd hit 50% more because you can pretty much guarantee as soon as he gets into a Euro step, if he does anything fancy, that that it's missing. Like, it's just rolling over the back of the rim and, and out. Like, he doesn't have that looking at like Derrick Rose, like he doesn't have that same ability that Derrick Rose has. But I mean, obviously Derrick Rose was a former MVP season veteran, but he just doesn't have that yet. And he should just mm-hmm. focus on getting the ball in the hoop and not making it look so pretty. And I don't know if that's conscious or not, but I think it's more of just like a, I don't know if that's the issue. I mean, maybe, but I think it's more of a keeping your poise when you're, when you're, when you're driving, like he just seems to always rim out. It's not really, a, so it's really the, the, the problem is the finishing more than anything to me. I think he's driving well. He's moving quickly. Yeah. That, that's just what I'm observing. It's just, it's just like him putting a little too much touch or too little touch. And I think that comes with a little bit, both inexperience and um, just, just him maybe not getting enough reps. I'm just trying or maybe nervousness. I mean, <clears> not, that I, not that I think the stage is too big for me at the end of the day. I just think there's just something a little bit off and I'm trying to diagnose it. Yeah. I mean, yes. again, the, he is 20. He's still very young. Uh, he is getting his minutes. I'm checking here. He's second on the team. He's averaging 34 minutes per game. Um, yeah, he's trending yeah, down. He's so he's getting – it's trending down, but he's he's getting the opportunity to play and still on the starting lineup, which I think is, is good. But, yeah, I think it's something that's going to have to just work itself out over time. He's – you know, when you're that young and you have that much pressure on you, like I, I – feel like it's just a matter of time i said this at the last episode too i think it's just a matter of time that he's gonna get everything figured out and he'll be fine i am curious what do you guys i we've had a smaller sample size with him but what do you guys think of obi so far i'm not honestly I'm, I'm very happy with him 
I think you've got good people to help develop him. And I think as long as he, he continues to be aggressive, I think that's when he's not aggressive, he's not very, you know, he's a bad player, but if he can push and be aggressive, he's, you know, she's shown flashes of a lot of skill. I, I just don't know if we've seen enough of him yet for me. I think that the long yeah. injury layoff hurts. I think but he's I'm getting really overshadowed. I think he's getting overshadowed too. I mean, there's so much focus on quickly and quickly mm-hmm. starting to get those like starting minutes almost of coming off the bench. Like you need Obi to start getting consistent minutes. I don't know. What's he averaging right now? It's got to be less than 15 minutes a game. Yeah. He's averaging 12. Yeah. I was going to say, so like, I think once you start to see him playing 20, 25 minutes a game, you're going to see something. Is he going to be spectacular? I, I don't think so, but I think he's going to be a very good player. Um, and then you're going to, I mean, quickly is the steal. We were talking about this. We were trying to say, what do we think was a better draft pick? Like th- that Obi is probably the best Knicks draft pick since Kristaps, and I think he might be a better draft pick since you were able to draft somebody else in the first round before him. Like he was a twenty-fifth overall pick, like value pick. You mean quickly? I mean quickly. Yeah, quickly. You said quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's I, really become the storyline is that you know Obi was like what were they sixth or seventh? That are sixth, right? So, I don't remember. I, I don't know. Who fucking it, cares? It was it was in the second half of the top ten. Either way, everyone is now saying that quickly is the steal of the draft. You know, people would rating him like a C minus, like a, as an Bleacher overall player beforehand. Bleacher Report. Bleacher CBS Report Sports. is sucking his dick now. Bleacher Report mm-hmm. sucks his dick on a daily basis because they're so embarrassed by that grade. At least yeah. they admit it. Well, yeah, fair. At least they said something they didn't like stick to their guns, like a lot of people do about a lot of New York sports. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, just wait, just wait. No, like, just wait. He'll suck in five years. It's like, okay, cool. Just wait. He's getting better every day if you watch him. Yeah. If he was a starter, he'd be running away with rookie of the year. He's, he's like already a chance. <clears throat> he's in the conversation. I mean, it's not not a lot of these rookies are starting this year, and if they are, they're not getting great numbers because they're getting fucking destroyed by top line players from minute one. Yeah, this this class is not like last year where like. John Morant is just like a killing it every single yeah. game. And like Zion came onto this and personally at the scene, you know, RJ to a lesser extent, even though he got totally snubbed and we're still not really happy about that. No. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was bullshit. But yeah, it's, it's just a different class. It's a different season. Like they didn't have the, there's a lot of factors involved in why the rookies aren't like making as big of an impression as, as they should be. But yeah, quick was right in there with the rest of those guys for rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I think he should absolutely be in that conversation and he'll probably make all rookie first team or, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he'll he'll get some recognition for it, but I think he – I also think there's a possibility that his minutes keep going up. Uh, As they know, should. You never know. With the season and injuries and crunch time, he's kind of been someone you turn to. I, I will say that he hasn't been getting many minutes lately. Maybe it's, you know, Tibbs isn't really – he's either playing you or he's not playing you. I don't think there's people that are getting rests, like rest nights or anything. So maybe you just get down minutes one night as rest with him. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure because, I mean, I know that RJ was not really playing in the fourth quarter recently because he hadn't been very good. And it's a, it's a low key way to rest somebody. Just play them a little bit less. You still keep them fresh and sharp, but you know, who knows? I just hope that his minutes aren't going to take a a hit because he needs to play as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, you're right. He has been trending upward. He's up to 19.3 now minutes per game. He's like basically right there with Austin rivers. So yeah, they're kind of live baseball news. Big Ooh, Fernando Tatis, Fernando Tatis, fourteen-year, three hundred and forty million dollar extension with the Padres. Wow! Oh yeah, I just got that. Fourteen for three forty. 
so that means uh, Lindor is probably going to get something like 310, 320 from the Mets. 24-2 yeah. a year-ish. Jeez. Good for him. The Mets are going to have to fucking back up multiple bring trucks for that bitch. Yeah. So, a uh, posing question. Who is, who is the best, I guess, non-draft pick new Nick this year? So, uh, like, uh, like acquisition? So best, yeah, best acquisition. So, like, free agent. Uh, I guess trade. maybe you can say Derek Rose, but that, that was very new. Yeah, um, I don't probably Burks. You think so? It's probably – I mean, Burks has been – fantastic like when he's coming off the bench especially he's been great so i'm gonna say something bold and i'm gonna say nerland's noel Ooh, ooh. he's been i was leaning now that, that mitchie's having his surgery i mean four to six weeks man nerland's is serviceable on defense at least the the issue with the backup big men usually isn't their defense it's their offense mm-hmm. i'm sorry sorry usually the, usually the issue is that they can't play defense they're just fucking turnstiles but nerland's can play really good defense so, I mean, we'll see how he does when he comes up against really elite players, but I, I think he's been great so far. Can we? Can I make a statement? I'm going to say the Knicks backup point guard. Because in the first half of the season, I tell you that Austin Rivers was their best pickup. And then the second half of the season, I'm going to say Derrick Rose. Like, second half of whatever's happened so far is Derrick Rose. So, the Knicks picking up a backup point guard in the offseason has been their most successful. Because you're not going to really see – Austin Rivers that much anymore. So like your backup, yeah. your guard. I think he's your trade bait now. hundred percent. He showed flashes of greatness in the beginning of the season. Like he needs to be moved. Place. You can get something good for him. You can get a couple of draft picks or something. Like someone will give up something for him. Like he's he's a valuable yeah. like bench piece for sure. I feel bad though because like he Same. wanted to play in New York and like I he. I mean, obviously you got to do what you got to do because you're a team and like the business. business. Mm-hmm. It's a business, but like he he chose to come to New York. Like his even his yeah. dad was like, "You should go play in New York. Like this is going to be good for your career." And it could be, but I'm just saying yeah. like, he wanted to be here, so that's tough. Yeah, exciting times for the Knicks right now. Honestly, it's it's been fun to Weird watch them at most nights, and hopefully they keep this you know winning and good feeling going, and they can kind of ride the wave until. Mitch Robinson comes back from his surgery because he broke his hand the other day. So, uh, well wishes to Mitch. Hopefully, he can yeah. come back soon and be better. But I will say one thing that is exciting: if everything holds today as the way it is, the first round of the playoffs will be New York versus Brooklyn. Oh, so that would be how COVID safe would that be? I mean, <laughs> such a COVID safe first series to have. <laughs> No, no traveling at all. Just between boroughs. And even if there's but, fans back, then there won't be any. Uh, actually, any yeah, we, we'll, yeah, we'll just we'll just raid the uh, you know bar close. We should touch on that actually quickly. I didn't even think about that before we started. But we should absolutely touch on that. Did you guys hear how the Nets are handling the return of fans? No, no, I did not. With, with, no. Like, with regards to their season ticket it, holders, and yeah, yeah. Okay. So this this is actually fucked up. So. And there's like a few people who actually are like full season Nets season ticket holders. Like they kept their money, like transferred over from the previous year. Like they they were like, you know, doing the honorable thing. They did did everything correctly. Right. So now Governor Cuomo, I guess it was last week or whatever it was, two weeks ago, announced that there could be 10% capacity uh, back at sporting events starting February 23rd. So there are approximately 20 home games left for Brooklyn. Um, I don't know what the Knicks situation is yet. I haven't heard anything, but the Nets were the first team to actually put out numbers. 
So basically, even season ticket holders are going to have to enter like a lottery system to win tickets to go to games. Mm-hmm. But the catch is you cannot actually just buy single games. You have to buy out for the rest of the season. And the minimum price for a seat starting out is $600 for like the last available seat, like the top row worst seat in the house. Oh my God. So you have so to buy a, season tickets at $600 a pop? That's minimum. So you, at minimum, if you are doing this, you're spending $24,000. Unless you had existing season tickets, right? Like they would No, you say even holiday. the season ticket holders are joining this lottery. They're screwing over the season ticket holders and making everybody pay up. So what happens to that money? They're just riding it forward to the next year for season ticket holders? They haven't clarified yet? That's stealing, if it's uh, not. Yeah. Jesus so, Christ. And then I would imagine... That's horrible. Like, Nets are going to make the playoffs too. And they're telling the season ticket holders, like, oh, it's, you know, you guys have first priority again. I can't even imagine it's going to be anything less than, like, 1500 a seat. And it's going to be the same thing. You have to pay for all of the uh, postseason tickets too. So it's... Your investment right now for like the remaining thirty-two Nets games, you include home playoff games, is like fifty thousand dollars. And that's that's if you're like paying normally like forty dollars for like an upper level seat. I hope nobody buys it. I hope nobody applies for yeah, that. I hope right? Nobody I, goes to the be, games. Be, I mean, not that anybody. It's a Nets game. Not like anybody really goes to them anyway. But like, yep. Props, I, props to the Nets for making it so. No one will be able to go to the games, and that will completely eliminate the possibility of COVID transmission. That so, caps off to them. The reason, uh, really innovative like, thinking. Really, the reason why the Islanders left was because of like the the um, the Barclays Center is so scummy when it comes to tickets. That's part of the. That's a huge reason why the Islanders played more games at um, Coliseum. Like they kept increasing the number of games because it was like. The deal that they had or whatever, they paid the Islanders like a lump sum every year, and then ticketing was done through the NHL, through the Barclays Center, right? And the Barclays mm-hmm. Center was like taking a bath, and they were so shitty when they started doing the year-by-year year thing that the Islanders were just like, fuck it, we're applying for the full dispensation mm-hmm. to go to the college because like they were just so scummy about it. Do you know That's who's fault that is? Brett Yormark of Barclays Center. Everyone, uh, digressors, spam his Twitter account right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna get he's gonna get 12 tweets yeah literally <laughs> literally dozens of mean <laughs> tweets directed there's dozens of us dozens also did we just come up with the name of our like limited fan base are they called digressors, digressors. digressors. apparently they are <laughs> i love that Same. <laughs> all right so um, if i may uh do something because segues are weird so th- Something, another weird thing that's been happening recently is that uh, two nights in a row, dare I say, the Islanders and the Knicks won in the same night. Yeah, two Indeed. two games in a row, yeah. So that has, that has to be the first time that's happened in a while. It's got to be. Probably. Probably. No, it, ha- it happened uh, once or twice earlier this season, too, because I, I know I've remarked about it once like to you guys. But did we just – No, did, twice did we... in a row, though. Two oh, consecutive nights. Yeah, they won. They yeah. both won two consecutive nights. Or like yeah, two Wait, one day nights. and then the next day won both. Yeah. Wolf game, Wolf game wow. When was the last time the Knicks made the playoffs? 2013? 2012? 10,000 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. 2013. So that picture the Islanders were also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that was probably the last time that that happened. Yeah. That was yeah. a gambling win. Well, yeah. Speaking about the Islanders, they had a bit of a rough patch a couple weeks ago. They didn't really seem to be together. They, you know, the third line looked like 
absolute shit for a while, but they've kind of seemed to find a little bit of a groove now, which is good. I know they've played like the Sabres and, you know, but they had two really great wins against the number one team in the East right now, which is the Bruins. Boston. Boston. Uh, but as of right now, they are number two team in the East. So they've kind of clawed their way back up into the playoffs. Um, Cause obviously only the top four teams in each division make the playoffs yeah. this year. So, you know, all things considered, they look decently good right now. All they about the, the page of train. Yeah, they've had the benefit of the the Flyers not playing a, a few games recently because of their uh, COVID protocol. They they've been mm-hmm. getting some bad luck with players. Although Philly doesn't surprise me; those scumbags not <laughs> not taking this seriously. But um, no, I to to your point, yeah, I think the th- with the third line. And with the ups and downs, that's, I mean, obviously it started with Pajot not having the greatest of starts to the season, but also the fact that he had no line mates, like no line mates whatsoever. So they had to, door. he had day. to, he, he had to center whale shit for the first few games. <laughs> and by that, I mean, Leo Komarov and I don't even know who did they put on the winger? Ross Johnston. Johnson you better not see the line. It was again. it was Uncle Leo, Ross Johnson, Oliver Wallstrom, and Doug Cole a little bit. Yeah. Cole, but Bella, but Bellows, Keeper Bellows. Uh, it was yeah, it was. But we're we settled on, I think a couple things. So I know now that Bovillier is back, I think he we might see him on the third line perhaps because Michael Del Cole has actually been impressing me lately. Not necessarily mm-hmm. with his point production, but with his just uh, give a shit um, <laughs> mentality, which is important and and hard checking. And new, and... it sounds like. Mm. So everybody's been checking hard though. I mean, like literally. The last person you'd ever expect, Barzal, like incredibly hard checking, and then like in the offensive zone for that one, uh, you know, that one possession that resulted in the first goal two games ago. Like it's just everyone sure. is being very physical, and, and that includes. Uh, and this is what I I didn't think this would be the case because I, I I saw it coming. The writing was on the wall for the young kids to not get their fair shot because of you know call it what you want there ability to move through waivers more easily, like to more easily fit through a tight cap scenario. But Oliver Wallstrom has shown um, that he, he's more than just like, you know, the guy with a good shot. He can actually check hard. He can def- defend hard and break up plays. That's one thing I've seen. And, you know, you've heard Barry Trotz talk about different players. If you've been listening to his post-game interviews, he's one of the guys he's felt the need to compliment. So um, I think, uh, I don't know. He, he brings a little bit of, of extra talent too to that line that Peugeot desperately needs um so i'm happy with that one thing i will say that's been uh a little weird for me because he's been so good the last couple of years brock tober seems to have been officially put on hold for a little while yeah. it's uh, not october he, there you said it well that, <laughs> yeah, that, that's <laughs> definitely the problem there no but to this point they're what uh 16 games goals. of the season he has but he doesn't have any even strength goals yet they're all power play goals so that's true Mm-hmm. That's a little I think it's a combination but... of things. One of which being uh, Beauvillier, their tip, their standard line mate has been out almost the entire season, save for the first game or so, the first couple mm-hmm. games. And second, uh, Josh Bailey has also been, he and Josh Bailey have been slumping at, during the same time. So that's kind of like the perfect storm when it comes to that second line. And when, both, when neither of them are doing anything, that's when it gets tough to generate very much. Uh, I still think he contributes. Um, even when he's not necessarily scoring, because I think with Barry, he's been a little bit more responsible in the defensive zone. Same thing with 
Uh, ba- Bailey is very prone to the to the to the bad pass occasionally. So I'm gonna I would yell, I get up and I yell at my TV a little bit more when I see him on the ice recently. But um, it seems that the, in the last couple of games, like Bailey found Nelson for a goal a couple nights ago. So maybe that's the start of a different trend. We're getting some vintage Bailey action, though. We have been. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are the full new, range. Yeah. For those of you who are new Islander fans who, you know, maybe it's what it was like years, two or three years ago, we're like, oh, why, why do people hate Josh Bailey? Like, he's been playing so well on a line. Look at his points. Morris. He's got so Look many points. points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's an, an all star, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then this is why, because this is what the first like six years of Josh Bailey was. And so mm-hmm. take a good hard look at it and yep. hope that you never have to see it again. Josh Bailey threw like 2013, 2014, pre pre that time. I always respected the talent he had. I just thought it was just lo- – for me, it was always – it wasn't even that. It was just the lost potential. You saw flashes of like stardom, like sh- like mm-hmm. amazing passes and amazing gorse goal scoring ability in between just bonehead passes. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable how close those traits come sometimes. But speaking, – Speaking of stardom with boneheadedness um... – and I love him now. Again, another guy who, you know, used to think he had naked pictures of the coach's wife. But Adam Pellick has been making a lot of silly errors, I'm going to call them. Like, a lot of minor penalties. He had two the other night. He's basically been averaging about – he's been averaging a minor a game, a little bit more, which is, which is not good from your top. The, the, the ones yesterday were a little, were a little soft. I thought for my liking, but I think that's a de- it's a decent overall point. But I still think he's playing solid D, regardless of the penalty minutes. He is, he is, yes. But he's he's just, I don't know. It's just something you got to clean that up. And I feel like that's something the Trots has got to take care of. He's got to get the defense has to get a little bit more involved. I think offensively too. I know I was saying that the I think Kulak only has like one. Uh, doesn't even have a goal yet. So no, but he has get- like six or seven assists. If you're looking at the uh, the stats. True, but this is a guy who was a 10 goaler last season, so you got to get that starting to go. Because, I mean, the Islanders are not, they're not, you know, a, a 40 goal team, or they're riding behind a 40 goal scorer. And that hasn't happened in a while, but they're a team that they need multiple players. Anders Lee. They need 20, multiple players to 18. be, yeah, with John Tavares. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, Carlson, so Anders Lee is still. Yes. Uh, Andrew Lee's still a 30 goal scorer, but you need those guys. You need your 20, you need your high teens and mid 20s goal scorers, your obligatory Brock Nelson 20 goals and stuff like that to just keep you going. Um, that's how the team has been successful. So right now we're seeing, we're still seeing a ton of goals from Lee, who has seven. Still seeing a ton of goals from Barzell, who has a, who has a whole bunch now. And so also Peugeot. Pe- Peugeot has recently kind of caught some fire here. So hope, hoping that continues as well. And then Five the back end, games. yeah. And I think uh, the goaltending is, I, I think, has been excellent. I don't know. I mean, short, short of, I mean, I guess Sorokin's first couple starts. Um, yeah, but he also first, got no the, help. Short of the first one, I'm going to say, because he looked okay against the doubles and he looked okay against Philly. Um, just speaking from the eye test. So I'm going to say, obviously, the game against the Sabers last night. Congratulations for the to his first official NHL win, which also was a shutout. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you to the replay officials on that one, but uh, offside by a mile. Orlamov has just been so so good. If the game he maybe had one, right he's now, had one bad game. Season ended right now. He he win the Vesna. I don't know about that, but he might be. Uh, uh, dude, he is he's one nine eight goals against over nine three zero. That's not, that's like barely top ten though. If you look at the stats, 
is it, it, there's that good of goaltending going on right now in the yeah. NHL. He's probably top three in shutouts. He is. He's top. He, he's tied. I think he's number, number three one. with shutouts. He's tied with John Gibson for number one in shutouts. Yes, they both have three. And he is top ten in save percentage, and he is top five in goals allowed per game. So, so he's in the conversation. Yeah. He's in the he's a Vesna candidate. Okay. Yes. Yes. I will say though, Pat and I noticed it on a couple of replays that, as my uh, as my middle school football coach would say, Sorokin's a little bit of a lesbian because he didn't know the difference between a lesbian and a thespian, uh, but he really <laughs> sells some of these saves. <laughs> he. Like there was a very routine glove save. I, I, that, it, I'm a, I wouldn't say routine. New, that's a new one. I'm not gonna lie. I've never heard that one before. With the lesbian thespian thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's, like that's like my old football man. coach. He'd be like, "Oh, you gotta sell it. You gotta be a lesbian," and everyone'd be like, "Dude, that's what? The wrong not word. what that means." <laughs> and he'd be like, "Yeah, you know, like the actors." And we were like thespians, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, thespians." Like he <laughs> would always say that. He was like an 85 year old dude who'd been coaching football his entire life. But yeah, there was and okay, not routine, but there was a be honest. not you know, we're used to very used to the, like the Varlamov just grabs it with his glove, you know, stops, like holds the puck, freezes the play, and then you have Sorokin. He like catches it in his glove. It's a good save. So very good have, save. There, but he all he needs to do is just close the glove and he decides to full so, split full, and then full do like Saturday night fever. Uh, disco hand <laughs> above his head with the fucking puck. And so I, at the time, my uncle, who, who he texted me, we got text during every game. He's like, holy crap, that save was wild. And then mm-hmm. two minutes later, he goes, oh, he's a little bit of a hot shot, isn't he? Like, he literally <laughs> saw, he saw the breakdown, and all he had to do is just, like, close it. And just, and you just, saw a wrist whoa. shot from the blue line, like, yeah. him, like, do the same thing, and then he fell on his ass afterwards to make it look even harder. I don't know if he still thinks he's competing for like vodka sponsorships over in the KHL, but like only <laughs> <laughs> vodka. Or we, here we have one vodka, one one vodka only, the Pink Whitney. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and since they don't like the Islanders, you're you're shit out of luck, bud. <laughs> Again, they, overall they've been playing pretty well. Uh, I'm interested to see how they you know keep going, moving here. I hope that they can kind of keep the the good vibes going. I, they have what a seven game point streak right now eight game point streak uh eight game yeah eight five game oh and three yep so hopefully they can keep that going keep uh pace with the other teams in the east and maybe get sneak in the playoffs and create some magic that they have like they had last year so I, I, I would say they they deserve more than sneaking into the playoffs i think they need to establish themselves especially with the type of goaltending they've been getting because i i don't think oh everyone knows what style they are and know what you're going to get when you play them like Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was reading some article the other day just because like, I read a lot of athletic articles because you know, I subscribe, so I, I might as well get as much as I can out of it. And it's just like circle the calendar when you're playing the Islanders because you're going to end for one boring of a game um, because they just shut you down. The Sabres had one goal in 120 minutes, and the Sabres have some good offensive talent. I mean, obviously they, they didn't have struggling. a shot. They didn't have a shot in, in the third, the third period. period of the first, and they didn't have a shot I mean, in the last. I think they had 20 and 21 shots respectively. So you can check, yeah. you can check on that, which is, you know, both very low. And mm-hmm. most of those coming in, in the first period of both games, right? Like the, and obviously it's a team that just came off of like a pretty long COVID stint. And you can tell pretty obviously their conditioning wasn't great. Yeah. Um, but, and 
just while we're on the Sabres too, I, I was telling the guys before when we were doing pre-meeting is that my new favorite stat is that Jeff Skinner, former 40 goal scorer for the Buffalo Sabres, full leased the Sabres for like a nine year uh, or like an eight year, $9 million contract and has scored 24 points in two seasons since that point and is now a fourth line plug. And if he wasn't making that much money, it would probably be a healthy scratch. Wait, you, you mean nine mil a a v? Uh, yeah, I think it's nine that mil over yeah, it's like eight, nine, it's a, eight mil not or um nine million over eight years would literally be one point two whatever the like yeah, average yeah. out of the time. Yeah, yeah, an eight year nine million dollar contract like nine AAV. Yeah, so yeah, seventy two million is the total contract value that he signed after his like forty goal season. It was like forty goals, twenty something assists, whatever it was, and then just. I think he, he had 23 points last year. He's, you know, at this point in the season has one point playing on the fourth line, obviously not getting the same type of minutes, but still like just not, there's a bad contract. that's probably going to plague the Sabres organization for a while. Let's get, because like Pat and I were talking about it before the game. I was like, Oh yeah, Jeff Skinner. Like he's good. Like he's, he's a solid, he was solid in Carolina. He was very good for them. And then we, they, they brought up that stat. Uh, I think it was Brendan and Butch brought up a stat about it. Yeah, we had like 24 points since that contract signing. It's just wild to see. You don't, I, I, there are not that many bad contracts I can remember recently in the NHL. Uh, just not that bad. For. Not that bad. Not since like, as an Islander fan, like the Rick DiPietro. DiPietro. Contract. <laughs> oh, nah, there, there, there's, there, there are a whole lot of, a whole bunch. Don't don't worry. There's a, I, I look specifically at the the free agency, like the Andrew Ladd signing. I think the Kyle Oposo signing of, for the Sabers, Louis Erickson. Those are like the most recent ones, but none of them are even close to that bad. Well, at least none of them are Bobby freaking Bonilla, who is still getting a million dollars every July first until twenty thirty something. So, is there a way that um, genius a way that Wilpon <laughs> and also segways are awesome? Is there a way because we're going to transition to the Mets just being seeing the residual fallout of bad ownership. And I think Bobby Bonilla is the most quintessential view of that. Um, One of the many, that, yes. Is there a way that uh, Steve Cohen can just pay him out and just get rid of Bobby Bonilla day? Or, or he is, he kind of steered it to the no, he, he, He's embraced Bobby Bonilla day. He has, he actually had a very funny tweet when he was still on Twitter before all the Robin Hood shit went down. Uh, basically saying that every Bobby Bonilla day, they bring him to City Field, they present him with a big million-dollar check, and then they drive him around the stadium like a, a cart, and everyone can like cheer or, or jeer. Yeah, at him. absolutely. If they don't do that, <laughs> like 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 a reti- like a retirement game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that time Dan was the only asshole in Yankee Stadium who didn't stand for Derek Jeter's retirement <laughs> victory lap, and everyone fucking hated you. <laughs> yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> Wore Mets gear to the Jeter retirement game. Was, yeah, was, I, I, was, I was I was that asshole. You chose <laughs> Pole. I I eventually stood. I eventually stood and gave him a, a round of applause. Took me a little while though. Dude, applaud Hannah if anything. Just like just suck it up and applaud. That, that's Hannah. how it started. <laughs> but yeah, we, we do want to quickly uh, before we wrap things up today touch on just kind of some of the recent stories that have plagued the Mets. Uh, they had such a good start to the Steve Cohen era. Like everything was going really well. They had the Lindor tree. Like everything just seemed to be not the regular Mets. And then it's just been a barrage of just like bad stories for the Mets for the last like three, four weeks. Uh, They've now had three people fired from the organization for uh, sexual harassment, which is like Mike said, a sign of just really poor hiring on the part of the Wilpons because that none of them were hired by um, Steve Cohen. Um, But it speaks to really 
greater problem in baseball um, that we need more women in positions of power just in sport in general. So uh, that's definitely something that needs to be changed and hopefully it changes soon. Uh, and the other thing is the absolute saga travesty, whatever you want to call it. That was the Cluster Trevor Bauer. Is my yeah. Word. The, uh, the Trevor Bauer signing um, for anyone who wasn't paying attention. It was Trevor Bauer was the best free agent starting pitcher on the market. It was down to the Mets and the Dodgers to sign him. And basically he's come out and said he wasn't trolling, but he put out a bunch a of like Mets merch, all this stuff, making people think that he was going to sign with the Mets. So obviously everyone got excited about it. And then he pulled the switch at the 11th hour and decided to sign with the Dodgers. So, so. I, I had a creepy feeling that it was going to happen. Cause I've saw, I've seen, I saw tweets about it. I think from, uh, select barstool post personnel and others who were just like this this could be to have the makings for the greatest troll in free agents of history mm-hmm. honestly he should have just left it as a troll though i'm gonna be honest with you guys i think that his response made it worse oh yeah somebody from my pr team accidentally leaked this pre mets merchandise that we had mocked so no, so I, the reason i the reason i don't think that because now he's leaving it up to you to decide if it was or wasn't and that's gonna twit. That's gonna that's gonna create just like distrust within the whole Mets organization. Yeah. I think it's, <laughs> it's trying, like to, trying to destroy the Mets from the inside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna quote Kyle hard. though here as as a fan. I think Kyle, you texted right away, and you're 100 right. You said that it's not worth it. He's too much of a headache. Yep, you know, he's guy. Just, Honestly, screw him. You're going to pay $40 million for somebody who's been an aggressively average pitcher his entire fucking career until now? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem prudent to me. Yeah. Yeah. What, what a Cy Young in a shortened season. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Listen, that's fine. I'll eat my words. But if I'm not, this could be a terrible deal for the Dodgers, like a really bad one that no one will ever take off their hands. Yeah, the Dodgers will win. Yeah, a but they're, series. they're stacked enough though, where they don't even yeah. need him. They'll they'll be able to compensate. Yeah, they'll be okay. He's their third pitcher, isn't he? Like he's like their third in their. He's the third starter after Bueller and, and Kershaw. Yeah. Troll job, total troll job. Um, if, it's just it's I just may... disgraceful. Okay, yeah, sorry. No, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's just like it just makes a mockery of the whole fucking thing. And like, listen, people said that the whole decision by LeBron was probably a little stupid. And looking back on it, yes, it was. But like, I don't know. I just don't believe people. And they're like, oh, it was just a mock-up and my team leaked it. Like, no, it's no, come on. That's not how shit works. It was a troll no. job. It must've been done on purpose. And I just think he's fucking proven himself to be a massive asshole. Yeah, he's, you know, to his credit, he's, he's trying to like bring the social media aspect to the game and try and like engage fans in new ways. And again, I respect that in a sense because like baseball's definitely lagging behind in a lot of those ways but to yeah to troll a fan base like that even though i know he said he didn't it's you know you had videos going up all winter saying how excited you were about steve cohen and and you just led everybody on and on and on until that literally last day and last hour where you just flopped so ultimately what happened was he used the mets to gain leverage with the dodgers to get a a higher contract because the mets still had the highest offer but he that's exactly what happened yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, listen, he played it smart, but he's still an asshole. That's all I'll say about it. Yeah. So, regardless of more positive news, baseball actually is starting up again today. So today we're recording the 17th. Pitchers and catchers. Spring training. Pitchers and catchers reporting. Catchers 
Yes. So spring is coming. Very excited. Both the Mets and the Yankees. Hopefully should be good. Uh, mm. I will say one more point about the Mets before we close on anything we want to talk about in the Yankees. Uh, there's this system called Fangraphs and then uh, Picota, which does like projection throughout the season. Mm-hmm. For some reason, Picota has the Mets going 96 and 80. Ridiculous. Whatever, 74, whatever mm-hmm. the number is. And winning the NL East by 10 games. And as a Met fan, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It, it wasn't the win total as much as it was the uh, where the Braves games. were with respect to that. Yeah. Because the Braves the are the defending the champions place. for multiple years and are arguably better. Like, mm-hmm. and should be, I think it should be they are better. Bit. Yeah, they I would better. say they're a better team. Yeah. But I just couldn't believe that. I, I was like stunned that like they were winning the division. They had them winning the division by 10 games and the Braves were in fourth place. That's That's nuts to me. Uh, to the Yankees' credit, they had them at like a 95, 96% chance to win the playoffs, and they had, I think they had them winning 99 games or something. Which the is Yankees not don't surprising. win 95 games. I'd be a little displeased this year. They yeah. have it in them. The Yankees have won 100 games every year. That Booney's been the manager. Yeah. yeah that Booney's been the manager. So mm-hmm. um, they're going to win 100 games. Sad news, though. Uh, yeah, Brett Gardner, it sounds like, will not be returning to the Yankees, which is unfortunate. And he's he's a, a little like a cult hero. He's got the lowest – he currently holds the lowest unretired number. Which is not saying much for the New York Yankees. Who well, are no, that's like saying a lot. You know, one through fucking nine are retired. And he's got, or one through Triple ten are digits. And he's got 11, yeah. So it's going to be sad to see him go, but it's okay. And it's, you know what, it's kind of about time officially today. Clint Frazier is named the starting left fielder, which I think is a good thing from Boone for him to do it so early. You know, give Clint a little right bit choice. of time to, yeah. And still some confidence in him. And play like it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it could be fun. We'll obviously see how things shake out as it gets closer, but it's going to be a, a good year of baseball in this city for the first time in a while. Do you guys think Brett Gardner is going to retire at this point? Or do you guys think he's going to try and get a? I think, a I think he will. Somewhere? If, he, if his spot isn't with the Yankees, he'll retire. He basically mm-hmm. has said that. He said last year if he, the Yankees didn't give him a deal, he was going to retire. So yeah, I can he's see retire. If he, if he were to end up somewhere, I could see him going to like a Cubs or like another classic franchise like that. Maybe. Yeah. I think I he think should he retire retires. more for the Yankees and be a hitting coach. That's what mm-hmm. I, I said. He's going to be like he's yeah, going to come in cool. and be like the the. Some like yeah, somebody in the office. Cause he yeah, he was the only remaining member of the uh 09 World Series team, right? That was still on the team. Yeah, he was the last yep. one. Yeah, so I, I can't imagine him being on any other team. Yeah, to Kyle's point, a lot of exciting things happening with New York baseball. Uh we'll definitely do like a season preview in the next couple of weeks for both the Mets and Yankees, talk about expectations and kind of how the roster finally, you know, shaped up after the offseason, which was crazy. Uh, so we'll get into all that in a couple of weeks once kind of games start and we get closer to opening day. But that'll wrap things up for this sports episode. So a lot of exciting things happening, like we said, Knicks, Islanders, Mets, Yankees. So before we say goodbye, I got to do our closing statements. So we will go in reverse order tonight. So we'll start by saying goodbye to, I don't remember who started first, but we'll go to Mike first. Reverse <laughs> uh, order, no particular order. Yeah, yeah. Or no. I was going to go. Yeah. But you, I said hello to you guys both at the same time. Which so it's a clearly work. defined <laughs> organized order. I mean, there's only, there's only four of us, so you can't get too crazy about it. No, that's uh, true. So it's fun. Looking forward to another sport coming back. Um, 
it's going to be, it's pretty crazy that we're at a point where it's like every single night there's a sporting event on and the nights that there isn't, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so happy, you know, you know, a year ago, year ago, we had no idea what was going on, but like a year, you know, 11 months ago, we were like, holy shit, there's nothing on. So uh, just happy to be back at a, at a point in time and hoping fingers crossed, super fingers crossed that I'll get to an Islander game. We didn't talk about it, but with ticketing, I have an uncle who has season tickets. So I'm hoping that at some point in time, I might be able to get in there. And also I'm thinking that we'll be at Mets and Yankees games this season in some yeah. capacity. And honestly, I will pay, I will pay as much as like four beers, which is a lot of money for a Yankees ticket uh, to, uh, to get to a game standing room only so I agree. You, that. you guys will at least get to a Mets game because I me and the fam have a, the 20 game plan so you guys will be coming to one of those with me for sure Dope. You so. go. Mm-hmm. unfortunately for us in the Upper East Side it's easier to get to Yankee Stadium uh, much easier actually mm-hmm. much easier fortunately I think is yeah the, uh, word you're really unfortunately <laughs> fortunately <laughs> Pat uh, give us your closing thoughts of the episode today. I am not a cat. For Just our... so I can see that. But... <laughs> For our readers at home, Pat has a cat as his background tonight. So that's that's why that statement is happening. Mm-hmm. Pat, that, Pat, well, that was short. Does a cat got your tongue? <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> always make sure on your Zoom calls, everyone, to check your filter. You don't want to be, uh, for example, no, uh, a lawyer or in a really <laughs> high-end job uh, in a very important business meeting and have a filter such as this one uh, stuck. Over your face. Yeah, not good. Yes. L- lucky for you, this is just a uh, podcast of just pure stupidity and nonsense, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stupid filters are encouraged here. That is very true. Space. Uh, all right. Well, Kyle, let's let's close things down with you. What do you got for us? So to close things off in a sporting way, this weekend, uh, nervously said the Everton fan, is the Merseyside Derby. It is the 236th meetings of the clubs since the first time in 1894. Wow. Um, yeah. That was, that was too won. long ago for me to care. Yes. Almost. Everton haven't won in almost a decade. I believe we haven't won at Anfield, which is where Liverpool play in even longer. Um, And the cool thing about this derby is that the stadiums where both teams play are some of the closest in professional sports in the world. They're less than a mile apart. Um, So if you have any time or any interest in what should probably be a pretty good game, uh, 1230 on NBC on Saturday. I don't know what's going to happen. I think we're going to lose, but I'm going to support my boys anyway. So up the toffees and hopefully I will be very happy on next week's recording. Yeah. You never, you never know. Everton. And this is probably the, their best chance in a while, I'm assuming. Oh, yes, it is. Let's, yep, let's, let's not overstress how fucking important this is for us. <laughs> All right. Well, quickly, just uh, to close things down, I'm sure everyone has been seeing what's going on in Texas right now. So they're kind of just a shit show, have a bunch of storms going on. People are dealing with power outages and freezing temperatures. So prayers now to all of them. And on top of that, the Texans kind of out of nowhere cut JJ Watt. So just the exodus out of Houston has been brutal mm-hmm. for the last couple of weeks. So prayers for uh, people from Texas. That's that's really, really challenging. It's been a rough go. It's been a rough go for them. <laughs> 
on top of that, they have a baseball team that is a bunch of cheaters who hopefully get their, you know, fair share this year, uh, which we couldn't do last year. So yeah, a lot of booing. Maybe yeah, a lot of booing, a lot of throwing at heads, and yeah, yeah, fuck them. So <laughs> so that'll do it for this week's episode of In Conclusion We Digress. As always, if you guys like what you heard, please like and subscribe to us. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you guys want to help out the pod, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Helps other people see the podcast and find our ridiculous hour of fun. And if you want to interact with us, we're on social media, Instagram, Twitter. We're on YouTube. Interact with our polls. Interact with everything. We're always putting up stuff there. And until next time, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Sponsor Mike's OnlyFans. This week, it's me, Kyle's massage gun, picture of D. Rose's neck tattoo, and a jar of orange marmalade. See you there. Peace out. <laughs> Orangey. Sounds good.